0: everybody. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Benson. I am your host. this Monday, June the 3rd. Man, we are hurtling into the offseason. We have uh, some OTAs, so some mandatory minicamps, excuse me, coming up uh, this week. I think there are nine teams doing minicamps Tuesday through Thursday. Got some stuff. We'll talk about that news coming out of there. Uh, today... We're going to talk to Jamie Eisenberg, good friend of mine, CBS Sports fan, uh, Senior Fantasy Analyst. He is uh, one of the authors, along with Dave Richard, who we had on last week, and Heath Cummings, who's been on the show regularly uh, for for the last year. Um, they authored the Fantasy 150, which is basically, self-explanatory, a hunt, list of 150 guys that you – their top 150 guys – in fantasy football for the 2019 season. Um, you know, it's a collaborative effort. They've got uh, a, a full breakdown of everything. They're going to be releasing it on various articles on CBSSports.com throughout the week, quarterback rankings, running back rankings, etc., etc. Uh, they will also be doing it on the Fantasy Football Today podcast. If you don't subscribe to that, go do that now. It's a great podcast. They do a killer job um, every single day during the regular season. Really, just starting like, you know, in, it, Leading into the regular season, getting you ready for fantasy drafts. They go daily with that. Um, I, I've been listening to it forever. I also listen to our Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Adam Azer hosts both of those. Maybe we should have Azer on the podcast. He's always fun to talk to. He's the weirdest takes in the world. He actually got destroyed because they had the writer of – he's been pounding the table for Die Hard not being a Christmas movie. And the writer of Die Hard came on Fantasy Football Today and told him that it is indeed a Christmas movie, as we all know. So Azer, it's a tough L for you, pal. Some news real quickly. Um, The top item, Mitchell Trubisky chugs beer. He chugged a beer at a White Sox game. He did it really fast. Uh, also chugging beer, Josh Allen, Bills quarterback, chugged beer at a charity softball game. This is my new favorite thing. I might write a ranking of the top beer chugging quarterbacks in the NFL. Um Aaron Rodgers has set off a firestorm, and it's making him look very bad because... You know, all these guys are good at chugging beer and Aaron Rodgers not so good at chugging beer. Uh, in actual news, Odell Beckham showed up for OTAs or he's going to show up for OTAs at least. He said, um, that means that we should see Beckham, uh, this week working with the Browns. Tom Brady, who skipped voluntary, many voluntary workouts is also going to be here for the mandatory portion. The mandatory portion is when you can figure out whether or not somebody might be miffed at the team, might be holding out for a new contract, et cetera. But Odell Beckham. Apparently going to be there for the full, uh, mini camp. Yay. Thank goodness we don't have to write a story about it. Muhammad Wilkerson was charged with the DWI, the free agent defensive lineman, um, was, uh, was reportedly hit with a, I think it was .09. So he's barely above the legal limit for, for a, uh, for a DWI in New York. The legal limit of course is .08. He was, um, he said, he's 29 years old, said that he apparently he failed a breathalyzer test and he's told the, uh, told the, uh, uh, excuse me, told the authorities, the police officers, I quote, I had one shot and two beers. Hmm. Probably had bloodshot eyes and they detected an odor of alcohol on this person. He was pulled over. He ran a stop sign at 330 in the morning in Manhattan. That will, uh, that will get you. Yes, not, don't drive at 3.30 in Manhattan. Hey, don't drive at 3.30 anywhere, actually. Unless you're, unless you're like the DD. You just don't need to be doing that. Um, unlikely he will sign a contract anytime soon as a result of that. Um, Calvin Johnson wants money back from the Lions. Bruce Arians says the Bucks have totally fixed their secondary. The two things that probably haven't happened or probably won't happen in the future. The Bucks secondary will be good and the Lions give Calvin Johnson money. But, you know, that's, uh, that's the news, man. Uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's get out of here. Well, don't get out of here. Let's stay here. Let's take a quick break and then we'll throw it to Jamie, Jamie Eisenberg. And he and I will have a lengthy breakdown of the fantasy 150. Talk to you guys in a second. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. Alright, now it's time to dive into the world of fantasy football. Joining us to do that as promised, good friend of the program, good friend of mine in real life. We're real life friends. I would have you over for dinner. Jamie Eisenberg, one of the men who helped to craft the Fantasy 150 and a CBS Sports senior fantasy analyst. What's up, buddy?
1: What would, uh, what would you serve for dinner?
0: For you? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I would, so like, if I had Pete Prisker over, I would, have my wife make something that I knew sort of like annoyed him a little bit to eat and not, right. and not give him a choice. I would ask you what you wanted for dinner because I know that you have, <laughs> uh, you do have a kosher, uh, uh, diet, right? Like I wouldn't want to yes. fire up a, wouldn't want to fire up like a Coke soaked flank steak that my wife thought would be awesome. And then you find out you can't eat it.
1: I appreciate that. Um, and that was what I was referencing because as we know, Pete would not show up to, uh, to dinner at anybody's house. So
0: he's a real Makes trash sense. human being. Um, okay. Uh, so, he is, yes. Yeah, he is a terrible human. Uh, so the Fantasy 150 is out and this is, <laughs> for those that don't know, this, we recorded this on Friday. This is the Monday show in the Pick Six podcast, but, um, this is the sort of initial guide to what you guys think will be the top list of fantasy players in 20, 2019, right? And, and how does it sort of come about and sort of walk us through that?
1: So it's a, uh, compilation of all three of our rankings, myself, Dave Richard, and Heath Cummings. Uh, It's the consensus of what our three rankings are. I don't believe you could find that anywhere on the site. Uh, It's a a formula that we use. So there's no place I could actually reference you to go see it. However... Um, as, as, uh, you alluded to, Will, um, the series is, uh, uh, over the course of the week. So we're revealing our, our 150 consensus in a variety of ways, uh, on our Fantasy Football Today podcast on CBS Sports HQ and, uh, with five articles on CBS So, um, it should be, uh, should be a fun read, you know, fun listen, you know, to our, our podcast with, uh, with Adam Azer as well. And then I, I think, you know, we're, uh, we're doing some fun stuff with the, uh, with the CBS Sports HQ. Uh, video series as well, which you will be a part of on on Tuesday with the list from 120 to 91.
0: I know. I was very excited when I found out that I was going to be doing that. Um, I'm sure that email arrived sometime between the recording of this and the the actual uh, airing of this podcast. Um, How much do you guys wait? Do you you get equal weight for you, Dave and, and Heath? Or is it like you're like, hey, listen, I'm better than you. I get uh a fifty five percent weight or something like that. Is it just it, an average?
1: It's funny you say that because I'm the reigning fantasy football uh, analyst of the year, so I should get a little you should. bit more. Yeah, you should. Uh I should. I should it should be like, you know, one and a half points for my rankings <laughs> compared to one for them. Uh no, but it it's funny you mention that because I was looking at the list um in helping our production staff put it together and I was like, so why is Mahomes the number one quarterback? Since Heath is the only one that has him ranked first, Whoa. and so I, I went and I looked and I'm like, okay, so I have him third. Dave has him third. Heath has him first, but Heath has I think Rodgers fourth or fifth maybe. And so, um,
0: oh, Heath's I, yeah. ranking of Rodgers pulled Rogers far enough down, right, that Mahomes ended up being like 1.15 and right or, or, so or like, two point one. Yeah. Right. Okay, so t- uh, explain to me why you have Patrick Mahomes as the third best quarterback. Because that would surprise me.
1: I think there's going to be enough regression statistically with or without Tyreek Hill that he would decline a little bit. And then you factor in not having Tyreek Hill. That makes me very nervous. Plus the changes on the offensive line. Um, And Andy Reid has talked about this. I I asked him at the owners meetings. Um, I I think you've seen it enough. You know, there's uh, been 11 times where a quarterback has passed for 5,000 yards. They've all gone down the following year. Brees is the only one that's done it consecutively, uh, 5,000 yards in consecutive seasons, um, and and there's only been three times, him, Mahomes um, being one of them, where a quarterback has thrown for 50 touchdowns. Um, again, the statistical uh, data shows us that, you know, there's there's a enough of a decline that. I think Rodgers has, uh, I I said this to Devontae Adams at the Pro Bowl, is he going to come out, you know, kind of picture Brian Cox if you're an old-school football guy, (laughs) you know, middle fingers in the air in Buffalo. I think Rodgers has that type of season uh, with with what's in front of him. And I think Luck, with uh, that offensive line, you know, the addition of Paris Campbell, a healthy return of Jack Doyle, I think those two guys just have slightly better seasons than what Mahomes does. This isn't to say Mahomes is going to be bad by any stretch, but uh, I just think that there's going to be a little bit of a a decline for him.
0: I think it is, I mean... I love Mahomes. Everybody loves Mahomes. I mean like sure. loving Mahomes is not something cool and new to do. But I do think if you invest a early pick in Mahomes, you are probably not going to get the value back that you that you thought. I mean that's just how it, it tends to work. Yep. Um Okay. That is interesting though, that you have him number three. That could affect CBS drafts too when people start looking like, why is Mahomes sitting there at three? Uh two other guys that I thought that, that surprised me that you had um higher than maybe their counterparts Juju Smith-Schuster is ahead of Antonio Brown, and James Conner is ahead of Le'Veon Bell. So you expect sort of big things from the Pittsburgh offense, less so from the guys who left the Pittsburgh offense.
1: Yeah, I I guess starting with the receivers, um, you know, the the, the Steelers, I I expect a little bit of an offensive change, um, which benefits Conner and and, and maybe a little bit of a downgraded Juju. They led the NFL in pass attempts last season. Um, Obviously, you lose a player of Antonio Brown's caliber. I don't know if they're going to have the same – philosophy of let's just you know go throw it all over the place plus you have the defense being better so i don't think they'll be chasing points to the same extent uh but still i don't expect also the steelers to have you know, all of a sudden to go from where their offense is to becoming the Seahawks, where they're just going to be, you know, so run heavy. Uh, so I think Juju's in a better spot. The, the, t- the only thing that separated the two guys last year in Smith Schuster and Antonio Brown was the touchdowns. Targets, receptions, yards, uh, you could, you know, look at it as very similar. You know, Juju is better in, in those three metrics, but the touchdowns were significantly different. Uh, Brown scored 15, Juju scored 7. Uh, I, I think you look at Juju entering his third season. I don't know how many more targets he'll get, but he should get, you know, Five percent more, ten percent more. If it's more than that, I mean, he could set a target record, you know, with with Brown not being there. Um, but I, I do think it's just, you know, you look at the quarterback, you look at the offense, you look at where one guy is headed in his prime, or, another, or entering his prime, another guy is leaving his prime. Um, so Brown should still be good. Juju should just be a little bit better. And then Connor and Bell, I, I mean, you know, you, it's hard to look at the Jets narrative right now and say, <laughs> I want Le'Veon Bell.
0: You know, I mean, yeah.
1: the coach doesn't want had, Bell. Adam
0: Gase <laughs> doesn't want him. Why would you want that? <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah.
1: So, uh, you look at Gase's track record, what he's done with running backs as a head coach. He sent Jay Ajayi home his first game as a coach, you know, didn't let him go play in the game in Seattle, uh, traded him. You know, midway through the season, because there was some issues there in terms of how those two guys got along. He didn't give Kenyon Drake the full-time job after Drake was fantastic at the end of the season uh, in 2016. Excuse me, 2017, when uh, when when Ajayi was traded, and he has said, "I don't like to overwork guys." Now he's told our buddy Pete Prisco, uh, and, and Pete said this, so I'm not you know doing anything against Pete's reporting, but he's, uh Gase said to Pete on the record and off the record that you may see Bell used more as a receiver. I don't know how much more of a receiver he could be
0: like, he in that He like had 85 position. catches the Steelers. I mean, like, what right. You <laughs> the Steelers? Know, so
1: it's uh, it's hard to expect more in that regard. So I think you look at Bell compared to where Connor is. Now, I'm not buying the the, the stuff coming out of Pittsburgh that they're going to be a running back by committee and you're going to see a lot more Jalen Samuels and a lot more Benny Snell. I, I know that they want to use more guys, and, and Connor has said that himself. Connor probably looks at the on situation and said, I don't want to be a 400-touch guy because they'll kill me. Um, but – I still think that offense has produced great production. Connor himself last year, uh, that I look at Connor's arrow pointing up, Le'Veon Bell's arrow probably stagnant at best, uh, but also we don't know what he's going to be after sitting out a full season.
0: One one thing that I would, I would note on that Steeler stuff, and obviously I'm a Jalen Samuels homer, um, Mm -hmm. but when you look at their depth chart and you're like, man, you you know, cause one of the concerns is like, oh, they got Juju, but who else do they have? James Washington, Eli Rogers. I think we could see Jalen Samuels. Playing a a a large snap percentage this year, yep. but lined up in like a sort of a flex tight end tight of situation, isn't yeah? An H back and move them all around because yep. that's what that's what they did at NC State and he was great. He was an all ACC guy, and so I think they could counteract some of the who else is there besides Juju with Jalen Samuels, and that's how you get sort of the back-by-committee type of situation.
1: Would yeah, you- no, I, I agree with you. And and they just hired um, one of their position coaches who was at NC State with yep. him. I think it was the tight end's coach, right?
0: Uh, running back's coach.
1: Running back's coach. Okay, So, so-, so
0: Jalen Samuels' coach. I mean, because he, was, right. he, was, he wasn't listed as a tight end at State. He was a running back. The ACC right. listed him as a tight end, and so did the Combine for some reason.
1: Right, so you have that influence. You also have no Jesse James. So, you know, I, I think that factors yep. into Samuels' uses as well. So, yeah, I I, I can see both guys on the field. But I don't see Connor's touches significantly declining or even declining at all, based on where he was a year ago.
0: Are you comfortable using a first-round pick on James Connor?
1: Absolutely. You okay. know, I, again, you you look at Mike Tomlin's track record. When Bell was suspended or hurt, D'Angelo Williams was among the best fantasy running backs, and even when he was 100 years old, that was still the case. Connor last year comes in, and they give him goal line opportunities. They never did that with Le'Veon Bell, but they give him all that featured work, use him as a as a receiver. There's obviously injury risk. You know, I mean, you know, Connor's. Uh, history, you know, whether it was battling cancer or, you know, last year with the ankle problem, he has missed time in his, his career. ACL for, too, uh, yeah, for, yeah, for various reasons. So there's there's risk there, which is why you invest in Jalen Samuels as the lottery ticket, or maybe Benny Snell as the lottery ticket. uh But I still think you get great production out of James Conner for ten to thirteen plus games, and you should be fine with that.
0: Yeah, and I'm I understand how the rankings look, so I'm I'm sort of asking more your personal preference here, but. You're on the clock. You get the 12th pick. You're on the clock. And David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, and Todd Gurley are there. Who are you taking?
1: Right now, it's PPR. I'm taking David Johnson. It's non-PPR. I'm taking Joe Mixon. I I look at both those guys, and and I see Mixon was so good last year in a crappy situation that the improvement on the offensive line, I think, will be significant the play calling I think will be dramatic and and you look at if Zach Taylor can just, you know, we're, we're as an NFL community, um, you know, the, the, the Twitter police, if you will. Um, (laughs) uh, but the the people who get so enamored with the, (laughs) with the Sean McVay offense, um, you can't expect the same thing from Zach Taylor going to Cincinnati to make that the same scenario. But if Taylor takes what McVay did in using Gurley and, Gives Mixon those opportunities, I think he could be just an absolute monster. So I, I love Joe Mixon, but I think David Johnson. You know, uh, on Thursday, the the stuff coming out of Arizona about getting back to 2016. I do think that the offensive changes will help him significantly. Um, You know, you talk about the Steelers depth chart. Look at the Cardinals running back depth chart. I mean, it's going to be a ton of David Johnson. And as long as he's healthy, I think you're going to get a, a better year than what you got on him last year. And, oh, by the way, he was the 10th best running back in a very, very awful situation.
0: I, I was about to say, I mean, he had 1,386 yards from scrimmage. And it was like <laughs> he just didn't get any usage uh, in mm-hmm. the first few weeks until they and really didn't even get that much usage later. Nixon ended up with 1,464. Um uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I, we we did the over-unders last week for the AFC North, and the Bengals have set at six, and we were sort of, there's a heated debate about it. John Breach was on there, you know, Bengals homer, but yeah, right. it's like, it's really impossible to know what to do with the Bengals, and I'm curious how you project that team as a whole, given that we have, and I was going to ask the same thing about Arizona, but let's do Cincinnati first. How do you project A.J. Green, Joe Mixon, because they have fantasy studs. But they also have a complete unknown at the coaching position. Not just that he's a Sean McVay guy, but that he's you know, I mean, he he just he's just like a tw- he's like a twenty eight year old or 35, right. he's a thirty five year old with no track record.
1: Yeah, it, it it is hard, and I do think the defense is going to be an interesting commodity for that team. Just how they you know handle that side of the ball. But like if, said, they're, if, mean,
0: they're, if they're terrible again this year, and they could be, that's a big boon for fantasy.
1: Uh, right. So I think six wins is fair because I don't think the Browns are a 12 win team. You know, I, I think the Steelers are still right in the mix and Baltimore's obviously right in the mix. So I wouldn't be surprised if 10 wins is the winner of the division, which means that they could all beat each other up. And so I, I think, you know, Cincinnati is the fourth best team, but they're a pretty good fourth best team. Um, offensively, I think is where they're going to, you know, be fun and defensively is where they're going to struggle a little bit, but you know, Mixon and Green, and don't forget Tyler Boyd was a, a star last year, you know, had a third-year breakout. Um, it Um A lot of it falls on the quarterback, you know, and, and Andy Dalton, when he's had weapons and healthy weapons, um, he's played well when he's not had guys, and he's been hurt himself. You know, that team has struggled. So uh, I'd probably take the under at five wins would be my my guess, but um if I had to, you know, make a bet. But I, I think it'll be, you know, oh, they're one of those teams, you know, the the three points or less, you know, they'll be in that category for for a couple of close loss or a lot of close losses, excuse me. Hmm.
0: Uh, what about Arizona? Because you know we know Cliff. We've seen we have a lot of we have a long track record of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach at the college level. It's not the same thing. He does have some pretty good weapons, but he's got Kyler Murray, who we've never seen play at the NFL level. How are you projecting the Arizona offense in 2019? And do you are you targeting guys in that offense because of Kingsbury's history? Like I think Texas Tech led the led the college football and FBS and uh, plays run for two straight years.
1: Yeah, I think you, you, you gravitate toward these type of offenses. And the nice thing about it is, aside from David Johnson, they're all relatively late round picks. You know, maybe Christian Kirk's a mid round guy. Uh, I do think there's a lot of upside with him. Fitzgerald's still in PPR. You know, I don't think it's, it's, uh, it's time to write him off just yet, even though they clearly invested a lot at the right wide receiver position. But it's the late round guys I think that you really like. Murray being one, depending on how quarterbacks go. I always will tell people, because the quarterback position is so deep in fantasy, you want to shoot for the moon. And so if you can get the most upside and you swing and miss, who cares? There'll be somebody there that can help you through the three or four weeks or even more if you need it. And so if you get Kyler Murray playing anywhere close to what he did in college, you know, 4,000 yards and 1,000 rushing yards, that's <laughs> the monster. best quarterback fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So now that's not realistic, clearly. He's a rookie. He's still small. We know that's going to be a narrative all season long. Can he take the, you know, the pounding of uh, of what an NFL season is? Um, not just, you know, the hits, but also, you know, on his body. Uh, but if he's 3,500 passing yards and 800 rushing yards, you know, we, we got great numbers from guys like Josh Allen and and Lamar Jackson at the end of the season when they took over, uh, that could clearly be Kyler Murray. So he's in my top 12. I would consider him a number one guy. Um, I think it is in your best interest to draft a second quarterback with him. Uh, that's not usually something I advise, but, you know, certain situations dictate that, and I think this is one of them. But I love Andy Isabella as a rookie. I think he's gonna be, um, it's not a comparison in terms of their play, but remember when Cooper Cup was drafted by the Rams and everybody's like, what, where did he come from? You know, and then you look at his numbers and it was like, Oh my God, this guy was just a, a statistical monster in college. Uh, Isabella led the NFL, led the, led, uh, the NCAA in, in receiving yards last year. He ran a 4 And while everybody, and I understand why, Hakeem Butler, Hakeem Butler, Hakeem Butler, because he was considered one of the higher prospects coming out of college, uh, they drafted Isabella first. The, you know, it, it's, it's the backstory of the Josh Rosen trade. Yeah. Why did they want to get back in the second round? It's because they loved Isabella. So he's a guy, Butler's a guy. I think if you're in deep dynasty leagues, Keyshawn Johnson is a guy. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I know it's not the same Keyshawn Johnson, but. Throw me the uh, damn ball. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, he's going to be a part of this offense. So it's going to be a, a lot of plays, like you said. Um, it, it's a better offensive line, you know, than what they had a year ago, which is important. And I think it's going to be fun with what Kingsbury is going to throw out there on the field.
0: Um, Three tight ends in the top 25. Gronk is gone. Maybe somebody people take flyers on him and die, I don't dynasty do you even add, I, I, but with it's Kelsey who looks like he I mean there's a there's a lot of buzz out there that people in fantasy want to go Kelsey first round pick. You got Kittle, you got Ertz. Uh, I think both very close 22 for Ertz and, and 24 for Kittle. What's your approach with those tight ends early and do you think they are properly ranked in this 150 list?
1: I do. I, I think you look at what, uh, first off, Kelsey, like you said, um, was just a monster last year. He's been a monster the last two seasons. And, and does, um, and does
0: Tyree Hill's ap- potential absence help Kelsey or hurt Kelsey? I,
1: I, I, don't think it hurts him, uh, unless you're of the belief that, you know, you're, you're facing the Chiefs and you're going to throw five guys at him just to take him away. And, you know, say, you know, Sammy Walk is on one foot and guys like Demarcus Robinson and Michael Hardman go out and beat us. But, um, I, I think Kelsey in this offense, you know, I, I did a story for our, our magazine. Shameless plug will be out in June, um, is, uh, on I'm, the tight end I'm, position.
0: I'm featured by the way.
1: You are featured. I'm yes. Featured. Um, I, I mentioned you twice in there. Actually, first. you
0: know what? I was at my parents' house this week and, uh, they have a framed picture of Robbie, my son reading the magazine, walking around that's my awesome. house. So that was pretty cool. Uh, uh,
1: that's awesome. Tell Robbie, we appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned you twice in there first, uh, would you yeah. answer our question, our mock draft, you take part in our mock draft and you won the league last year, right?
0: Uh, last or, two years, last
1: two last years, years you've you run that league. Yes. Um, This is just the the mock version. We actually play out the June (laughs) version. So we do two editions of the magazine, uh, which I have to schedule the draft. Thanks for reminding me. Um, So uh, I reference you in this breakout story that I write because I led the story. I led the column with uh, Leonard Fournette as a breakout. And you and I share the same sentiment that he's going to have a a big bounce back season. Um, But in any event, in the magazine, I did a story on tight ends. And I spoke to Kelsey, uh, who I believe did the – the meme game with you at the Super Bowl, right? He did.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He did. So he,
1: he, was on our, he was on our set a couple times um, uh, on Radio Row, and he said – I asked him, you know, why why are there not more of you? And I asked Kittle the same question. He was also on Radio Row. And, and both of them talked about the offenses that they're in. And so I think you throw in the Philadelphia offense as well as Zach Ertz. These are just t- tight-end, friendly offenses. Clearly there's a theme there, you know, when you look at uh, – you know, where these guys have come from, Peterson obviously comes from Andy Reid's coaching tree. Shanahan has been, you know, uh, at the foot of his father's, uh, you know, uh, you know knowledge level there yeah. of, of what makes the most sense in your offense. And these are just, you know, offenses that lean on guys who are stars. And so when you get to the back end of round two, Kittle is going to go at the swing uh, of round one. You know, he's going to be in that first 15 picks. Um, but if, uh, excuse me, Kelsey is going to be in the first 15 picks. When you who, get to... What's
0: the earliest you would take... Um- Take Kelsey.
1: I would. So we just did a 14-team mock draft. Kelsey went 10th, and I understand why, because um, the the guy who took him, Jeremy Bates, is one of our, our fantasy sales coordinators, um, realized he wasn't going to get him in round two most likely. So uh, in deeper formats, you probably want to take him in the back end of round one. But I think in that 13 to 15 range is where I would take him. You know, I, I'd, I'd probably just look at it if I'm picking at the back end of round one, How many receivers do I like? How many running backs do I like? If there's two or three guys, okay, I'll I'll pull the trigger on Kelsey there. Um, But when you look at the back end of round two, when you start to get into the A.J. Green, T.Y. Hilton, Keenan Allen, Antonio Brown group, if you're like, I I don't love these guys, you take Ertz or you take Kelsey. Kittle. Take Ertz or take Kittle. And then round three, one of those receivers should be there for you.
0: Mm, Okay, yeah. I mean, I think – Part of the problem, I mean, th- one of the things I worry about a little with Ertz is the suggestion that both Ertz and Dallas Goddard are going to be starters for the, for, the Phil- for Philadelphia. That's something, yeah, same thing with the, the Steelers' backfield, right? Like the Eagles are throwing out, we're going to have two tight end starters. Right. Maybe they do, but, I mean, Goddard is a, a guy they took really early, and it's possible he could take away a little bit from Ertz. I still think Ertz will be heavily featured. I mean, dude had 156 freaking targets last year. Um, Kelsey feels like the guy least likely to fall off a cliff. Because of the offense he's in, because Hill might be gone, because you know he's going to have a quarterback out of the big three. Like I would, I would, I would rather invest a first round pick in Kelsey than a second round pick in Ertz or Kittle. Does that make sense?
1: Uh, totally. You know, again, it's it's security, and you know, whenever you're spending an early round pick, you want to make sure that guy can give you, barring injury, you know, t- complete maximum production. And I think um, I've gone back and forth. Uh, I probably switched my rankings, you know, five or six times. Between Kittle and Ertz, because I, I I look at it like you said, there's Dallas Goddard, there's the addition of Deshaun Jackson, there's a what should be a better run game with Miles Sanders and, and Jordan Howard, so I think you could see Ertz having a, a slight decline, and then Kittle, okay, they they did bring in some wide receivers, you know, Jordan Matthews will be a nuisance, he's obviously not going to be a featured option, but I think Debo Samuel could could certainly be a contributor right away, uh, Jalen Hurd is somebody that you've heard maybe moving to tight end. You know, they can use him in a certain regard. The run game, you know, with uh, healthy Jared McKinnon, addition of Tevin Coleman. Um, there are a lot of factors for both those guys. But I think Ertz has proven himself. And when Carson Wentz has been on the field, he's leaned on Ertz enough that you should feel a little bit more comfortable with him over Kittle. But I, I'm with you. Kelsey's the, the sure thing. There's a reason why he's won. And the other two guys are, you know, jockeying for two and three.
0: Uh, you mentioned Green and T.Y. Hilton, Amari Cooper, Drew Nettleman, Stephon Diggs. What do you think I consider those guys like the second tier right of mm-hmm. of, of wide receivers so guys you're going to see at the back end of the second round early part of the third round. What do you feel more comfortable taking uh running backs or wide receivers in that like what what do you like better the second tier wide receivers or the second tier running backs as we sit here right now in in early june
1: i i think the 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 funny thing about that is it's it's kind of where your draft position is mm-hmm. because if you're picking in the beginning of round one you know you're taking a running back probably in the first five picks, you know, with whatever order of Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, McCaffrey, and, and Gordon. So then when you get to that spot, it's probably a little bit more in your best interest to go receiver, receiver, tight end receiver. You know, if you do love, which again, you know, uh, I know you do Fournette or Dalvin cook. They're in the back end of round two, maybe in some cases early round three. It's not a bad idea to go with those guys. I'm not taking Damien Williams there. I know some people certainly are, and I understand why. Um, but that's kind of, I think, where the cutoff comes from the running back spot. So, um, if if I'm starting my team with with one of those stud running backs, I'm probably leaning on those receivers there. If uh, unless just amazing value lands in my lap, you know. So if I go running back receiver, I'll probably consider running back in the third round. Most likely though, I'm looking at that receiver group.
0: I didn't like. I mean, just personally, I I think the group there for Fournette, I, I don't know about Aaron Jones. I mean, I, I understand why, and I know, I think Dave loves Aaron Jones. I don't know if you're in the same camp on him. I'm... I do, yeah. Okay, I, I, a little, I, we, I want to see that offense. Although LaFour ran the ball really well with, with, uh, Derrick Henry last year. But like Marlon Mack to me is a great value. Devonta Freeman could be great value. Carry on Johnson could be a monster. I think that there's, in that second tier of running backs, there's a chance to like land somebody who could end up being a, an RB1. So the question, you know, I guess the question is, do you want to... You want to have Saquon Barkley, but I almost wouldn't mind having like a Michael Thomas and then you go receiver, receiver, and then try and grab one of those running backs in the third.
1: Yeah, but I, I think that comes down to where you're drafting because yeah, for sure. you're you're pulling the trigger very early and we've seen it work out clearly in a lot of different ways, but you have to sort of skip over a lot of those wide receivers in the early part of the third round to say you're taking Marlon Mack or taking Carry On Johnson. The problem is, is that you're not going to get those guys – at the four or five swing when right. it comes back to you at the end of round four. So it's just a matter of how comfortable you feel with um, with those guys. And and like you said, if you're at, at the back end of the first round, this is where you want to live. Because you take you could go Michael Thomas and, and Juju as your first two picks and then you come back round three, round four, and that's the that Marlon Matt Carry on Johnson. I'll throw Josh Jacobs in there as well because yeah. I do think there's a lot to like about him. Um, Philip Lindsay, if you're still in, in that camp, I think that's where Damian Williams should go personally, you know, is in that 4-5 swing. Um, he should be there, Chris Carson. You know, there's just a, a – depending on format, Derek Henry also. Tariq so, Cohen,
0: if you've got a PPR.
1: Tariq Cohen or James White, you know, both those guys. Yeah. Uh, so that that's kind of where, you know, you know when people ask us the question all the time, where's the spot you want to draft well, that's, in?
0: That was my next question. What would, right. right now, where's your ideal spot? Is it still so I, 1 or 12? I, I mean – I I. I don't really have a
1: preference because I love both these scenarios. You know, it's, it's obviously a luxury to have. Hey, I'll take Alvin Kamara. <laughs> uh, sure, you want to give me Alvin Kamara, Mike Evans, and, and A.J. Green? Uh, sure. That'll, I'll, that'll I'll,
0: work. I'll, that'll play. I'll,
1: yeah. I'll start like that. Or uh, what we just kind of laid out. You know, I'll take uh, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marlon Mack and, and Josh Jacobs yeah that that's uh, that's a great start so um, and, and it could work out that way in the middle too so there there's just a lot of different ways you can go and still be successful um, if I did you know you want to pin me down to an answer I would say you want to pick fourth because you end up with the leftover of Barkley, Elliott Kamara McCaffrey Mm-hmm. Oh 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 boy! Yeah, oh <laughs> um, no! Don't. And then you you get your choice of the first pick in the second round. You know, coming back.
0: So you have Melvin Gordon slightly below those four guys. Then I take it.
1: Yeah, I think you just look at you know, especially PPR. He doesn't catch the ball to the same level as yeah. what those guys are. And and you may hear Ezekiel Elliott and and think, well, he doesn't catch the ball. He had seven seven catches last year, so uh, they they dramatically increased his usage in in the passing game. Now this is clearly barring a potential suspension for Elliott. I don't think that will happen, but if that does. He's going to get bumped down. Um, but in any event, I think Gordon is the clear cut fifth guy.
0: Well, what about in that, um, we sort of covered guys in that 40 to range, what, like 50 to 60 range or 50 to 75, anywhere in there. Who's something, who's somebody on that list that you're a little bit higher on than, than maybe somebody else? I mean, I know Sammy Watkins, uh, Sammy Watkins is 49, Calvin Ridley 50, uh, Evan Ingram 51. You know anybody, yeah, uh, you know, maybe anybody on down through a hundred that you like, that you were sort of surprised that they ended up averaging out lower than maybe you expected.
1: Uh it, It's funny you said seventy-five because the guy at seventy-six for me is one of my favorite targets is Geronimo Allison. Ooh, um, uh, I, I know you. That reference. is high.
0: That is high for him.
1: Yeah, well, we don't know how the offense is going to look, like you said, uh, but I do think you look at what he was on pace for in the four health he played last year. It was like seventy-six <laughs> catches, uh, eleven hundred fifty yards, and eight touchdowns. So if he stays healthy with no Randall Cobb, and I know one of maybe two or three of the young guys that they have, and uh, I'm not going to pronounce their names, MSV, ESB. Marquez valdez, valdez Sterling,
0: and Equinomius St. Brown.
1: Right, those two guys, yeah. Jamon Moore, uh, Jake Kummerow. You know, one of those guys can, can move past Allison by the time we get to week one. But LaFleur has talked highly of him. Rogers has spoken highly of him. Adams has spoken highly of him. Um, again, I think you look at the production last year. I, I went heavy on two guys last year, and at times it worked out, Chris Godwin and Jeronimo Allison. I'm all in again on both those guys given their, their circumstances, but Allison is one of those guys that I think a lot of people look at and say, top 100? Wow, I didn't expect to see him that high. I, did, uh,
0: I didn't. I didn't think he'd be that high. Right. Yeah.
1: But if the LaFleur offense – look, if I don't think that the LaFleur offense is going to be worse than what McCarthy's offense has been the last – year plus and, and that's half of 2018 and 2017 when they just g- seemed to get stale for what I, I don't buy into the rift being as bad as it was between coach and quarterback but there was just problems with that offense and something needed to change and i, I you know you, you can read all the stuff that's happening at otas and how they're using guys and whatnot allison has kind of been a swing guy for them he's been using the slot they're using him with the second team on the outside so they're you know mixing and matching with how they're you know want to get him on the field but if they play out adams in the slot and Allison's the number one outside guy. That has been such a money spot for mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Rodgers with the back shoulder fade and 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 how those guys have operated from Jordy Nelson to Adams to you know the uh, you know you you name it for for the offense that that's been run there. Uh, I think that Allison, if he plays 16 games, can have a real real breakout season. The
0: the other thing that's interesting too about when you look at this list and you and I think it's important to sort of dive into it as a whole is you see that like and this is why you don't draft a quarterback early. And maybe why you don't even draft a tight end early, because I would rather take a gamble on OJ Howard as my starting tight end versus like Christian Kirk as my wide receiver too. And if you draft a quarterback early, that means that you're probably grabbing, like would you rather have Latavius Murray as your flex or, and, and like Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback? Or Matt, you know, or go with Matt Ryan and then get, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's wild to look at the difference on this list of the skill position guys versus the quarterbacks.
1: Right. And kind of one of our rules of thumb has always been it's hard to justify taking a quarterback and a tight end in the first five picks. Yeah. So if you are going to gravitate toward one of those spots, you probably want to sacrifice the other. Um, I'll go back to what I said about Kyler Murray. The quarterback position is so deep that, you know, If forget about, I know you're looking at our top 150, but when you go to CBSsports.com and you look at our rankings, you can see that Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins and, um, you know,
0: Dak Prescott.
1: Well, Prescott, I think is is a little bit on the higher end of things, but I'm talking about guys like in the 20s. You know, um, no, you know, guys that are just looking at it from the standpoint of can they still be top 15? Can they be close to top 12? And there's so many guys that fall into that category that I think it's gonna be awesome. We don't know if Dwayne Haskins is gonna be the starter in Washington, but if he is, he could be good. I don't think Eli Manning is completely done as a fantasy quarterback and still producing uh good numbers. And and you go back to last year. Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh those were guys that weren't starters when the season began. Right. Uh at least in, in the majority of uh situations. I, I don't remember if started a week when I don't think he did. Um but no, they you know, threw yeah.
0: out uh they threw out um Peterman, uh, right? Yeah, Nathan um, Peterman. Um,
1: right uh you know there, there's going to be guys that just emerge Andy Dalton you know we talked about their weapons uh Derek, Carr. Know, with, uh, Derek Carr for sure you know with with the, the the guys he has there um you know and then you look at uh if Ryan Fitzpatrick's a starter for the Dolphins hello fantasy production you know so um there, there's just a number of guys you know you you could look at I don't think there's 32 starting fantasy quarterbacks but it's a little bit better than some of the running backs you'd be reaching for if you had to take those guys
0: yeah like you and um like, I know Dave has Ben Roethlisberger 19, Mitchell Trubisky 20. You have Mitchell 20 as well. I mean, everybody has Tom Brady in the 17 to 19 range. Like, would you rather gamble that Tom Brady can be decent, or you know, or take Patrick Mahomes in the second round? I, to me, it's a no-brainer. So,
1: right. That's it, it's now if Mahomes is 50 and 5,000 again, yeah, then, you win your league. That's right. But uh, the numbers tell us that's not going to happen.
0: Is there anybody on your do not draft list right now?
1: Oh, there's, there's a lot of guys. I mean, one we talked about in Levion, uh, Todd Gurley is,
0: uh. You're just letting, you're yeah. letting other people deal with Todd Gurley, right?
1: Yeah, it's funny because, uh, I just did a draft for a dynasty league where, um, it is this kind of, if anybody's still doing dynasty drafts, this is why you don't invest heavy in running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did a startup dynasty league. It's a bunch of analysts from other sites. And I had the, I think it was the fifth pick. So this was tw- going into 2017. My first pick was Mike Evans. My second pick was Jordan Howard. My third pick was Todd Gurley. which oh, is coming off of his disastrous sophomore campaign. So the fact that he fell to the third round, my team has been awesome the last two years because of Todd Gurley. I haven't won the title because of injuries in the playoffs and whatnot. But um, So I went into this draft. We just had it on Wednesday night where I'm picking eighth. My target is Daryl Henderson. I figured, you know, the three running backs that everybody looks at, Jacobs, Montgomery, and and Sanders, will go. It's a super flex league. Kyler Murray will be gone. The handful of receivers plus TJ Hawkinson, Henderson's my guy. Henderson went fourth. What? So this just tells you what other analysts are thinking as well, that if Gurley's knee is a time bomb, Henderson playing for McVay could be awesome. I was so deflated when I saw him go at four— And I'm thinking, okay, this is the guy I have to now trade Todd Gurley to and see what I can get in return for Gurley because he can now take on this headache if he wants it. And we'll see if we can make something happen. It's funny because the guy who ended up falling to me at eight was Miles Sanders. Now, if Mm. you would have told me a month ago you're going to get Miles Sanders at eight, I'd be thrilled. I still feel deflated because even though I know Sanders is better and has a higher ceiling right now than Daryl Henderson – if Todd Gurley never plays this year or misses significant time, Henderson could be a top 20 running back. You know, he's somebody like that you should top 5.
0: I, mean, it uh, I it,
1: it's hard to say, you know, like I I I did two things in that draft, not to uh, go on a tangent, but I did two things where I, I uh I well, had tangents and, and,
0: tangents are allowed on this on this podcast. Uh, so um
1: Heath Heath Cummings uh voice was in the back of my head in the fourth round and it probably wasn't the logical move, but there was Bruce Anderson sitting there. Undrafted rookie free agent running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I know you also drafted him. And I think in that 14-team league, despite
0: despite Heath, yes,
1: despite yeah. Heath. So I was like, oh, I'll t- I'll take Anderson here. And the pick right after Anderson was Malcolm Brown, and I was like, you know, logically, I probably should have taken Malcolm Brown just to at least get a piece of that back, which is why I think Henderson may not have the higher ceiling that uh, he he may have. But in any event. Um, uh, uh Gurley's on the do not draft list. Le'Veon's on the do not draft list. Those are the two headliners for me.
0: Mm. I tried to trade uh Todd Gurley. Well, I didn't try to trade him. I've been trying to get Dave Richard to trade me George Kittle in a dynasty league because my tight end mm-hmm. sucks. Um and I was like, you know, what about Todd Gurley, Dave? And he's like, why would I do that? I'm like, That's, <laughs> I mean, but I was like, well, you're, you know, you say you want to kind of reboot, like you're buying low on a guy who would have been the top pick in dynasty last year. So just saying. Yep. Uh, but no, you-
1: it's uh, it, it it's funny because um, the offer that I still may make to the the owner who took Gurley, uh, actually made the offer, and then I was like, eh, I don't know, <laughs> like it it, it it Gurley's one of those players um that if he's right and he's falling to the second round, you win your league. You win your league. And if he's, if he's, wrong, he's wrong, you lose your league. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I've seen him go um from other analysts. You know, I, I look at mock drafts and mock drafts that I'm in. Um, I've seen him go as high as five. Still, you know, people are still saying, "I, I don't think anything's wrong with his knee. Uh, he's going to be fine with rest and recovery," uh, which hopefully is the case. You know, I mean, I, I would love to see him still be the the guy that we've seen the last two years. But the offer is, and I'm curious your take on this. So, um, this is an owner that uh, he actually had two picks in the first four. He took uh, Jacobs at two because Kyler Murray went one, so he oh took Jacobs God. at two. Oh, why? And, because it's super flex league. Oh, Okay, so okay, okay, okay. basically two quarterback league. Yeah. So he took Jacobs at two and. Henderson Center at four. four. So I was going to offer him Gurley and Will Fuller. It's a PPR league as well for Jacobs, Kenyon Drake and Julian Edelman. So
0: I don't think I he would, would do that. Huh? I don't think he would do that.
1: Well, it, I don't know what side of the Todd Gurley equation he's on him taking Henderson at four probably screams. I am anti Todd Gurley, but it could also again, scream.
0: I want Jamie to try to trade me Todd Gurley.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I, I, I may offer him that just to remove myself from that. I do think Kenyon Drake has a big season without Adam Gase there now. I also think that Jacobs could be a star for you know the the forthcoming future, um, and uh, and I think Edelman still has you know three good years left of being a, a quality receiver.
0: No, I mean you're offering up Todd Gurley, so it's not like it's a bad offer, and he's you know he might have Todd Gurley on his team all of a sudden if Todd Gurley. Right. Gone. The
1: reason I revoc- I I uh, pulled the offer back was. I don't want to be the guy that trades the dog early. You know, that's kind of where, where I'm
0: at. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, okay. I have one question. I got, I need to get your ruling on something. It's sort of a fantasy regulators type of thing okay. that you guys do on, uh, fantasy football today. You should be yep. listening to that. Yeah, the music too? Uh, I, I don't. Um, yeah. I don't play copyrighted music on my podcast. <laughs> I've been told, I was told by this guy named Adam Azer not to do that. And then he starts blasting like Warren G on his podcast. That's fine. Right. Whatever. Yep. Um, so in a dynasty league, the different dynasty league, I, Traded a second-round pick for Trey Burton and Curtis Samuel before the season. Uh, This 2000. This, in fact, the coming draft, which is starting in like two weeks. Um, And then I was engaging in a trade discussion with another owner later in the season, and I traded my. uh, We we had an email exchange, and the final offer that was accepted on the email was I get Brandon Cooks. Basically, swapped two players, and then I send my first. I get Brandon Cooks. I send my first-round pick to him right
1: Okay.
0: on the uh when i made the offer whatever the offer was that was sent to him included in the note first and second round picks but in the email exchange we had i said and i had already traded my second round pick so i physically right. couldn't trade it to him we had agreed on the first round pick how do we resolve that is i i tend to think it's like and i think he listens to this podcast so we, we will we'll find out if if he agrees so things. by you accident you click the second round pick But I didn't click it. I wrote it in the note. And I, I, I swear I would have, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you can put fantasy notes on there.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. So you don't have your, you don't have your league set up where you can trade picks. For some reason the picks, yeah, that's the
0: commissioner's fault. Um, Okay.
1: So, so when you were typing a note, which I I think happens a lot of people sometimes when you make multiple offers, you're copying and pasting. I'll give you my first and second. I'll give you my first and second. Exactly. Um, you probably did something along those lines. So in your email exchange, if that was where the trade was agreed upon before you actually sent the trade, I think that's what has to be considered the, uh, the handshake agreement.
0: That's how I fall too. And he's the one who made the counter with no second round pick. And then I said, I, that sounds like a good trade to me, but then I made the offer and accidentally included in it. Like I didn't have the pick. So it's, but if you
1: don't have the second round pick, there's nothing you can do. Like he can't take his,
0: his, his suggestion was, why don't you give me your 2020 second round pick? I was like, I don't know about that.
1: Yeah, that's uh no, I think if you agreed upon it, on, in another, uh, exchange, that should be the, the ruling of it. Right,
0: right. I appreciate it. I appreciate the ruling. Yes. And, and it's not favorable to me. You would love nothing more than to bury me if I made a, uh, a question. No, I like it, right. it,
1: I mean, again, unless the other side of the story is, uh, different, but no, your no, side no, of the story no. sounds like a The
0: thing. receipts, the receipts are there. We can, that, yep. that is the situation. All right. Uh, follow Jamie Eisenberg at Jamie Eisenberg on Twitter. Listen to him on the fantasy football today podcast. Wildly popular. Sores, maybe not in May. Sores in, uh, in July and August uh, to the top of the charts. But people, our, our podcast sinks all year round. Um, and uh, watch them on HQ. Thanks as always, buddy. You got it, man. Thank you.